we are starting a new collection called Hyssop. And you're like, what is that and why do I care? Okay, so it's a plant that we find through throughout Scripture. It's referenced to. It's really cool. Uh, Hannah mentioned it at Easter uh, last week. Um, it's a plant that has a lot of medicinal purposes, uh, has a lot of things to it. If you're a plant person, you probably have heard of it. You, might, you can find it planted places, right? Uh, but it, it also had cleaning properties to it. And so um, in the Old Testament and through some, through some of the New Testament, they would use that. They would use hyssop as a part of a, a cleaning. So it, but they also used it in a kind of a spiritual symbolism. So I don't know how many years it's been. I've been doing this for years. Uh, when I pray, I ask God, Lord, cleanse me with hyssop. Because I found this scripture in Psalm 51.7. It's King David. And he's saying, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. In talking about this in the term, like, so for us, it would be like saying, Lord, bleach my soul. Make me clean, right? Cleanse me. And that bleach sounds much worse, so hyssop sounds better. And so I say hyssop, Lord, cleanse me with hyssop, because I'm not only asking him to, like, literal cleansing, but a soul cleansing. Because David, when he wrote this, King David, he was in need of a soul cleansing because this was right after he committed an act. So he was a great, great person, did a lot of great things. He was named uh, man after God's own heart, but he also was human and he messed up. And so he had an affair uh, with a woman named Bathsheba. And so in his prayers after and talking to God, he's saying, Lord, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Can you please cleanse? Don't just clean me. I mean, I can stop on the outside of whatever it was. That's great. But Lord, cleanse me on the inside, right? Because there is sin in this world. And sin is anything that separates us from God, right? And sin, sin always the same to God. Like, it's all the same. But for us on this earth, certain sins have certain complications and circumstances, okay, to them. Like, some things you can do. So what David did, right, it kind of echoes, okay? It wasn't just like a one thing and I'm, and I'm done, like, there's some, not just some external cleaning, but some internal cleaning that needs to happen because that's something we usually don't think about that. Because usually, like, sin physically, like, we'll move on, right? The body is okay. We didn't get any bad, you know, you can use your imagination of what can happen in some sins of what you can take on and carry on physically, right? But most of the time, it's nothing, right? It's like, it's like oh, it's over. I'm not going to do that again. But we forget about our souls. When we commit these acts, when we separate ourselves from God, it can put some burden and weight on our soul. So our soul also needs cleansing. It needs attention. And I want to talk about this following Easter because sometimes people come to Christ for the first time at Easter or they, they have the, a reawakening. Like they, they're like, Lord, I've been distracted. I've been ignoring you. And this is my, I'm recommitting myself right this Easter. But then you recommit yourself or you start a journey and you don't there's something blocking you, it feels like. There's something that's holding you back of like, man, I want to continue, but I just, these thoughts and all these things, sometimes it might be your soul. Your soul might be dirty, and it needs some cleansing. It needs to be cleansed with hyssop, because I believe that we are not a body with the soul. We are a soul with the body. This is just a vessel. The important thing is really on the inside. And we treat this well because it's housing the important thing, the soul, the thing that's connected to us. 
Uh, in King James Version, it, it reads like this in Genesis 2, 7. And it said, The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So it's wise to cleanse the body. It's wise to fix this up, you know, help the appearances, right? Because sometimes the outward appearance is the only thing that people can see to know, like, oh, there's something different about them. They act different. They treat things different. How, and I, I like what they're doing. How do I know more, right? They can't always see the soul, but your soul needs cleansing just as much as the outside does because it can be weighted and burdened. So today, um, as through, we go through this four-week collection, we're going to be talking about how our soul can be weighted down. And so today, we're going to talk about the restless soul, the restless soul. And so uh, you've heard the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain and Abel were, you know, they were brothers, and they were after God's own heart, like trying to, you know, serve God in this, in this world. And uh, one of the requirements was offerings, right? They, they bring a sacrifice and honoring God with God has given to them. And so Abel um, was, he was like a, he, he mended the sheep, like he, he, he maintained the animals, right? And so when he brought his offering, he brought the first and best of whatever that was, whatever animal and sacrifice. And then Cain, he was more of the the planologist, I don't know what you call him, but he, uh, he, he was really into, you know, helping and, and gathering, and he would, he would do the plant stuff, right? And so then he brought an offering of plants from the ground to God, a sacrifice. And it tells us in Scripture that God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice and not really Cain's. And it was confusing to Cain, and something started in Cain where he became jealous, and so scholars, they, they've, I've, they've researched it, and they've tried to figure out, like, what was different? It wasn't the fact that it was animal and one was vegetable. That didn't, that didn't really matter because we find other spots in the Old Testament where they just offered what they could. But we kind of dig into it, and a lot of scholars believe it had nothing to really do with the sacrifice. It has more to do with his attitude. It had to do, do more with Cain's heart in bringing that sacrifice. Because truth be told, you could come here every week, you could worship, you can come both services, you can worship the whole time, lift your hands up and go through all the actions. But if it's not meaningful on the inside, it's really not doing anything. It's more about your heart. Your heart does something, your soul does something, and it comes out physically, right? And how it happens. So it's believed that Cain didn't come to God with the right attitude, the right heart. And so then God was not pleased with it. But because God wasn't pleased. Cain became very jealous, and you know the rest of the story. And I don't know why we name our kids Cain. Why don't we go with Abel? Because Abel was a lot nicer. Uh, but in this process, he ends up killing his brother. He kills Abel in jealousy, you know, because he's like, I wanted to please God, right? But instead of really asking God what was wrong with it, he just got mad at his brother. And so because of that, there were some real-life circumstances that were put on to Cain. In Genesis 4, 11 through 12, it says, Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. He's telling him, because of your actions and the circumstances of it, 
your restless soul will be searching but never finding. It will always be on high alert. It will be interested in everything but satisfied by nothing. So he said, you're going to toil and you're going to strive to try to make things happen. But because of your actions and the circumstances in, on earth, you're not going to yield anything. And so sometimes we can feel that way. I can feel that way uh, often. I, I have like all sorts of things. I got this. This monitors my sleep, uh, my heart rate, my steps, all of that. Because sometimes I can't turn my mind off. And I don't know why I'm tired the next day. And this helps tell me, oh, you didn't sleep enough. You didn't turn your brain off. Uh, I'll often use a noise uh, machine. Like I have one on my phone. I'll, I'll turn on a noise machine if I can't stop my mind because it helps slow my mind down, focus on something else so I can turn my brain off. Uh, I'll use supplements. I'll use uh, uh, melatonin and things like that to help clear my mind because I have this sometimes this inability to shut my mind off. I, I can't turn my brain off sometimes. It just keeps going and going. I know you look at me and think, there's a lot of thoughts in your head. There is. They're not sophisticated or, or anything like that, but they're there, and they're, and they're rattling around. And so sometimes I need something to calm myself down, to turn my brain off, because I can find myself in that restless state. You ever been... In a, in a state to where, like, you know God is real, he, you know he loves you, but you feel like you still got to grab control of everything. You got to make it happen. And if you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. That's restless. You have a restless soul. Something has happened to where you can't relax and trust God. Ecclesiastes 2, 22 through 23 says, What do people get for all their toil and anxious striving with which their labor, with, with their labor under the sun? All their days, their work is, is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. So it's one thing to acknowledge that this body needs rest, and that is obvious. Uh, there was a cool study that I came across that um, there was a student at a college, and he had a, a thesis, a th something he had to complete, and, uh, and they come up, he had to come up with this idea, this scientific idea, and, and we're going to test the theory and, you know, give, have the results. And so they're kind of scrambling to come up with something, and they come up with, let's talk about sleep. What, how does sleep affect you and your body if you don't have any, right? And so they decided, we're going to go as long as we can without sleep, and then we're going to test ourselves, and we're going to see, does it affect our cognitive ability? Does it affect our ability to remember or to, to do you know, common motor skill things, right? And so they, they started the journey, and I can't remember the exact number, but it was like somewhere around 250 hours he did not sleep. If you do the math on that, it's about a whole week of no sleep. And so what they found is, yes, your body needs rest. Absolutely. It cannot function. But even so, to a point where when at the end of the study, and they he went as far as he can go, they actually called an ambulance. They called not because of the effects of what it was doing to him. They took him to the hospital, and the hospital said that he slept for 14 hours straight after that. But he also had lasting effects for years. Just that one week of no sleep was affecting his body years later. So it's very important for this body to rest. But if this is just a house for what is truly living inside of us, our living soul, 
our soul needs rest as well. It needs a time to take a break. Soul needs rest. You're like, okay, great, Bill. I, I get it. You know, I need to do all that. So where do I find rest, right? So where we find rest for our souls, because there's like, do I go put, hit a button? Do I go to a special room? You know, how, how do I do this? Is there certain kind of food that I got to eat to find rest for my soul? We find it right here. Um, this is the first point. If you're taking notes, it's time to start taking notes. Um, our souls find rest in God alone. Our souls find rest in God alone. In Psalm 62, 1, it says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. There is no person, no experience, no dream, nothing that can you can do to affect your eternal soul here on earth. The only thing, the only person, the only being that can truly give your soul rest is God. Because your soul is operating in a realm you have no control over. You have no control over it. So all you can do is rest in God. He's the only one that can give you, give you rest. And so in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, it says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in your heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He didn't say your bodies. He said your souls. See, Jesus knew that our soul needed rest, if not just as much, but if not more than our physical bodies. But here's the crazy thing. So I, like I said, it's in a realm we don't control. So Jesus recognized that. And he says, hey, this is something that you can't do on your own. If, if we needed, like if we didn't need Jesus for our souls, he didn't have to do what he did on the cross. Because what he did on the cross, he paid a price, built a bridge for us so that we can connect to God and so we can truly find rest because he's the only one that can do it. He's telling us there is a spiritual burden on your soul based on sin and you are not capable of handling it on your own because it's in a realm you can op cannot operate in. So what he's saying is let me put my yoke out spiritually. Let me help you take my yoke spiritually, and I can help this burden that is on your soul with whatever it is. You're like, okay, again, great argument, but how do I find rest in God? How do I do that? Next point is be still before God. Be still before God. I know it's super complicated. Be still before God. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Catch the order of that. He didn't say, hey, know that I'm God, then be still. No, he said, be still, stop, <laughs> whatever it is, and just remember that you are God. Because when you are still, meaning that you stop moving on this earth, you stop affecting your circumstances and the things that are around you, you're pulling back and you're going, I am acknowledging that I'm not the one that keeps this spinning. I am not the one in control. I am able to manipulate. I am able to change my circumstances based on the abilities that God has given me. But ultimately, he's in control. And so because of that, I'm going to be still and know that he is God. Um, a similar feeling if you've ever been around kids, little kids, if you have kids of your own, especially if you have multiple kids. And I feel like God looks at us this way sometimes because there's times in my life, and I love my kids, but sometimes I'm like, just stop it, right? Just stop, just sit down, you know, that kind of thing. Shh, you know, that kind of, I would never, of course, you know, 
I keep my cool and everything. Um, <laughs> hey, hush over there. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, you do these things, right? And then you're just like, oh, and I feel like God does the same thing with us. He's like, you've already told me your problems, because usually that's all the time we have prayer for is we say, this is what's wrong, God. Amen. Or I'm going to go about my way and try to fix these things myself. And with God saying, no, shh, just stop. Just sit down. Let me help. Well, first, you're not even in a position to be able to handle this. Your soul is burdened. Let, be still and let me take that off of your soul. Share my yoke. And then we'll go about it together. Acknowledge who is truly in control. In college and seminary, they kind of they try to help us do this. And it was introduced to me, um, multi-sensory worship. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, um, but there's many different ways to worship God, right? One of the main ways we come together and we sing and instruments, and raise our hands and, and all that clap. We do all those things. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's many different ways to focus on God and worship Him. And so this college professor was trying to teach us this, right? And so he, uh, after you know, after the classes were over, school hours were over, he set up in one of the classrooms a multi-sensory worship, right? So uh, one station would be painting, one station would be writing poems, one station would be drawing in sand, uh, one would be, I, I don't know, reading certain scriptures, like, it would be a bunch of things. But the hardest station, and we all agreed, and it was the one we all struggled with most, was this meditation station, and some of you got scared, You're like, well, meditation, it was God's before it was anybody else's, okay? Meditation, he's been calling us to do that in Scripture for, for forever, and it works for humans, and so other religions have taken it, blah, 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 whatever. That's a whole argument for another time. But anyways, so the hardest thing was to do, and he, and he told us, all right, I want you to sit here and think about nothing. Do you know how hard it is to sit somewhere and not think about anything? Because you begin to think about not thinking, Right? And then you're going to think about what you're not thinking about, and then you're thinking about it. It's it's, it's a cycle that goes on and on and on and on. It was really hard to do, to sit there and try to block everything out. But if you were successful, even for 30 seconds, think about your brain never stops. It really never stops until you make it stop. But after you do that, it's like your brain takes a deep breath, goes, and you release, and you feel this burden come off. Then all of a sudden you're, you're rejuvenated and you don't, you don't understand why. It's because this muscle, you work constantly, even when you're sleeping, you're dreaming, it's still working. It needs rest. And so that was one of the hardest things to have mental silence. But in Psalm 131, 1 through 2, it says, But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. If we are able to slow ourselves down, try to give our brain a break and give an opportunity to be a channel for God to minister to our souls. So the first thing we do is be still before God. Not multitasking, not distracted, not on the way to work, trying to navigate traffic. Oh, here's my God moment. No, truly be still. You're telling God, Even if it's for a few minutes, I would challenge you to try it for five minutes. It's way harder than you think it is. And just say, nothing else matters but you right now, God. I am still. And even though you try to do it for five minutes, the thoughts are going to be bills to pay. There's going to be yards to mow, dinners to make, diapers to change. And you're going to think, I don't have time. If you don't have time for five minutes, go to a doctor because you're going to be unhealthy. Because that's going to hurt. 
Put your phone down. You imagine how many minutes you get when you just put your phone down, right? Put it in, set aside five minutes, because I believe you don't have time not to make time for this. Because if you keep going, keep pushing, keep putting more weight on your soul, not letting Christ clean your soul, it's not going to benefit you in the long run. So that's first one. Be still before God. The next one is wait for God. I know, guys, these are super complex, but you can do it. Wait for God. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Some of you don't know what that word is, patiently. It basically means wait beyond your schedule. Wait beyond what you think is long enough. Because usually, like I just said, we'll go and we'll tell God our list of problems and be like, all right, amen. We don't wait for anything. We don't wait for an answer. We aren't patient. And if you pray for patience, God is going to send you somebody to teach you patience. Don't elbow your spouse or whoever's sitting next to you. That's not, it might be, but I don't know. But you will sin. Be careful when you ask for that. But basically, it just means wait. If you don't like waiting for anything, you don't know how to wait, just say, Lord, give me patience. Give me patience to work through this. In Psalm 135 through 6, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul. God just get, catch that. I wait for the Lord, I mean physically. And then he says, my soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. And so he's using an analogy. See, in this time, I guess for us, nowadays it would be like police officers or coastal, you know, guard, all that. Um, but for them, in their cities, it was a great time to siege a, a neighboring city was at night. Because you catch them off guard, most of them are sleeping, and you have the dead of night to kind of hide. You can slink around in the shadows. So it was very important that you were guarding the perimeter. So they would set up people called watchmen all around the perimeter. And so what he is saying is like they stay up all night until the sun comes up, and then the shift changes. So the day, the night shift leaves, and the day shift comes to be the watchman. And so what he's saying, he says, I will wait all night. And not just because the circumstances have changed or the light is not that I'm going to give up. No, I'm going to keep waiting on into the next shift. I'm going to keep waiting for you, Lord. That's what this is saying, that the, the morning is not the end of the shift. It's just a part of it. And so what does that look like when you're waiting on God? What does that look like? You're asking him things. You say, what do you want to say to me, Lord? And you wait. You say, what do you want to show me, God? And you wait patiently. What do you want to, and this is a big one, what do you want to do in me, God? What work, what, what things do you want to change? What, what's inside of me that needs to be removed or amplified? What do you want, God? And you wait. And just because five minutes is up doesn't mean you don't keep waiting. You patiently wait. So you, you be still before him. And then you wait for him to talk to you. And then the last one is you reflect on God's goodness. And it's sometimes, I get it, it's hard to wait. But usually what we do is we say our problems, and then we say amen. We forget that he wants to have a relationship with us. He's not a cosmic vending machine that just say, Lord, I, this, is, this is what I need. I need more money. I need a healing. 
I need sustenance, like, and then he just spits it out, and you just enjoy it and keep going. No, 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 no. He wants an actual relationship with you. And so if you're having trouble waiting, if you're like, how do I stay patient? How do I keep focusing on God? Sometimes it's good to talk about the one that you're focusing on. And the easy way to do that is just reflect on God's goodness. It's, you're very tempted to think about what I have to do next, but think of what God has done instead. Instead of thinking about, man, I just need these problems solved, think about in the past the things that he has done for you, the blessings that he has already given you. Sometimes just remembering that will fix this. You'll go, oh, God's already done that in my life. That's, uh, he's going to come through again, right? So it gives you confidence when you review what he's already done. Psalm 116, 7 through 9 says, return uh, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. That's where I want to be, to walk amongst the Lord in the land of the living. Not the surviving, not just the existing, but truly living. And for I believe for you to truly live, and this has been my experience, your soul has got to be connected to the one who gave it to you. And when your soul is clean and clear, you have a bridge, a connection. I want to be walking down the street and have a moment with God where I'm listening. My soul is, is clean and is ready to receive whatever the Holy Spirit wants to say to me. So in a moment, I want to be able to be hit and the Holy Spirit put something on my mind. I'm able to stop and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. But if you're not having those moments, if you're not having those instances where God comes and disrupts your day, you feel like there's a disconnect, it chances are really good your soul is burdened. And it needs to be cleaned. It needs to be lifted off. Whether you did something to put yourself in that position or somebody did something to you and you're restless, you have a restless soul, and you're trying your best to try to make it work on your own, and all God is asking you is saying, just be still and wait. Reflect on my goodness and be patient for me. That's what he's, that's what he's looking for. That's what he's asking. So in closing, to help you if you are a restless soul, this is one of, something that you are struggling with. You can't put your head down at night without worrying about 50 different things and not giving it back to God, the one who can actually control it all. I want you to practice this. I'm going to have Ethan come up for a moment. Ethan in the room, Ethan in the room, Ethan in the room. There he is. Okay. Um, Ethan's going to come up, and he's going to play a little something in the background to help us, right? But we're going to practice this. So this is what I want you to do, all right? In a second, we're going to close our eyes. I want you to say one thing to God, one thing, one thing that you're thankful for, not a problem, something that you're thankful for his goodness about. And then I want you to do nothing. We're going to try two minutes. You're like, well, that's not a lot. Trust me. Okay. We're going to do two minutes. All right. After these two, like, just think of nothing. Block it out. You're the only one in the room. In fact, there's nothing around you. There's only God, right? Think about nothing and watch what happens. So everybody close your eyes. Have that one thing and then for two minutes, nothing.
two minutes. Felt like eternity, right? <laughs> Depending on how long that felt, might just be an example of how restless your mind is. Because you can have so many thoughts in just five seconds. Your mind can race. You can wonder, am I doing this right? Are they waiting on me? Or whatever it is. Did I missed that email. Or <laughs> your mind just begins to wander. So I challenge you to do that this week, every morning. When you wake up at some time, not, not in traffic, not while you're driving, that's distracting, not, not, not multitasking while you're making breakfast, but go somewhere, tell God something you're thankful for that he's done for you, his goodness, whatever that looks like, and then just sit in his presence for five minutes and try to think about nothing. Clear your mind. That's telling God that you truly trust him. That even though you might have all the answers or have it all under control, that you know it's really all his. And you are still in his presence and you wait for his voice, however he speaks to you. And you continue to thank him for his goodness. If you do this, it will change your day. It will change your week. It could change your month, it could change your year. It will change how you operate at work, how you treat people, how you see people. Because your soul, because as you're doing that, Jesus is cleaning your soul. He's taking those things off that are weighing you down. He's letting you take his yoke. And so as these things happen, and you probably just felt it, it feels like a burden comes off. That is the feeling of your soul being cleaned. And so that every day you say, Lord, cleanse me with hyssop. Clean me, God. Remove what needs to be removed that is distracting my soul from you. And I guarantee it will change. It will change everything around you. It will change how people perceive you. They'll see you and they'll see a calmness over you. And they'll go, why are you so calm? because God because he's really in control and I, and I remind myself of that every day it changes things so I challenge you to do that and as we walk through this through these four weeks of looking at our soul and our soul care and what we need lean into it you don't have to have all the answers you don't have to know what script, all the scriptures and everything you don't have to know all of that you just need to know that you need to be still Wait on the Lord. And that burden will lift off your soul and you'll begin to have a connection with God you never thought you could have before. Let's pray. God, thank you for our souls. Thank you that you put something inside of us that is a connection, a bridge to you. But Lord, sometimes through sin and separation, our soul gets weighted down things get put upon. It's not as healthy as it should be, Lord. And, and because it's not physically out and in front of us, it's hard for us to tell sometimes. But Lord, we acknowledge, it says in your scripture that we need to be still, give our souls rest. So Lord, I pray right now that we do that. Bring it to our remembrance, that we go through the acts and the proper ways to really give our soul rest. So that people, anybody that's restless right now, that feels like they have to have it all together. They have to fix everything. They gotta be there for it. That they have this moment where they can just 
hand it off and acknowledge who's truly in control. Lord, help us have the courage to take a moment and be still in you and wait on your word and your voice as we navigate this life in your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.